The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Psalm 126. And while you're turning there, I love this story. I'm going to tell it again because it's just an amazing story. It said that George Frederick Handel, he composed his amazing musical, The Messiah, in approximately three weeks. It was apparently done at a time when his eyesight was failing and when he was facing the possibility of being imprisoned because of outstanding bills. Handel, however, kept writing in the midst of these challenges till the masterpiece, which included the majestic Hallelujah Chorus, was completed. Handel later credited the completion of his work to one ingredient. When they asked him about this work, they asked him about the, this whole thing that he composed, he said, I attribute this to one thing. That one thing was joy. He was quoted as saying that he felt as if his heart would burst with joy at, at what he was hearing in his mind. Sure enough, listening either to the entire work of the Messiah or to the Hallelujah Chorus, it brings joy to one's heart. I just, I love singing that. I don't know about you guys, but every once in a while, just sometimes, yeah, when I am having a hard time, I just, hallelujah, right? You just go and you just, just sing. Similarly, in the midst of many challenges he faced, including chains, imprisonment, and slander, the Apostle Paul, filled with the joy that Christ gives, could say, rejoice in the Lord, the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. But today, stress, worry, passions, unbelief, despair continue to rob Christians today that we, in turn, rob God of celebration and glory as we walk around this world in despair, in defeat, and discouragement. One commentator, he writes this, the glum sour faces of many Christians. And he's talking about this actually during his observation uh, during the Christmas season. <laughs> he's saying, the glum, sour faces of many Christians, they rather give the impression that instead of coming from the Father's joyful banquet, they have just come from the sheriff who has auctioned off their sins and are now sorry they can't get them back. Is that how we look to the world today? Those of us who are born again in Christ, who have new lives in Christ, who are co-heirs with Christ, inheritors of the kingdom of heaven, do our faces reflect that, especially during this holiday season? See, it's crazy when we think about all that we have and all that what Christ has done, that we would walk around this world looking like we have no joy. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have hard times. There are hard times, there are difficulties. You know, God knows that for me, sometimes, you know, there's, there's difficulties, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, the beloved Broncos, the Rockies, the Avalanche, Golden State Warriors, you know, all, all these, these teams, you know, and all that, that, <laughs> that we have these times where things don't go well loss of a loved one. I mean, you know, for me, it's like, yes, I have the joy of the Lord, but I just lost a, a very, very important person to me. So yeah, it, it, was, it was a time. Even, even like one of my friends thought it was really funny, but you know, um, my, uh, my mentor uh, 
was actually mentored by uh, R.C. Sproul. And so uh, R.C. Sproul for me is kind of like my spiritual grandfather, maybe you could say. And, I, and one of my friends thought it was really bizarre. When R.C. Sproul died, I mourned. <laughs> like I did, like it, it really affected me, it hurt. When Tim Keller died, it, it hurt. Uh, family members die, friends die, all these things. And, and so there's difficulties, yes. So there are times where we grieve, times where we, we feel. But the one thing that I know is that all these men of the faith and my family members who were born again Christians who professed that Jesus was Lord in their life, I grieve, I have a difficult time because I'm going to miss them, but I have joy knowing that I'm going to see them one more time when we go to heaven and we are with Christ in glory, and for that, I can rejoice. I can rejoice. So, it's different. You can still have joy even when you're having difficulty. And, it, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about like, you know, hey, Shane, man, my life is, is upside down. My life is ruined. I know, well, you got to have joy. And then we put this fake smile on and we walk around all crazy. Ah, uh, uh, happy. You know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the joy that overflows. That, yes, I'm having a difficult time, you know. And it, it, it's like, it's like, yeah, I remember when we were having a conversation with one of my friends, and this is when uh, uh, th- things, were, things were just going upside down in my life. Things are just really bad. And then to top it all off, my grandfather, who I dearly loved, he died. And it was a really difficult time. And we were talking about it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to miss him. Yeah, things have been hard. And I was, I was having a very difficult time. And then he goes, and then at the very, it was just really funny how he said it. It was like, I'm, I'm just, you know, he's just, piling this on and we're talking about it. I'm just getting more and more depressed. And he goes, but Shane, Jesus is alive. And a smile hit my face and I was like, that's right. Jesus is alive. Worst times in our lives. Difficult. But we still have Christ. Christ is still alive. Christ is sitting on the right-hand throne in heaven. And one day, we will be with him because he said, I go to prepare a place for you. So I know when I go to heaven, family, there's going to be a place for you and me. For that, we can rejoice today. So it's crazy, though, when you think about it, though. It's crazy that for many in modern evangelicalism today, and you can see some of the statistics that we see, Barner Research, you know, uh, all kind of the Christian research, all the things that has, has been done, we see that for the most part, what we're finding is the world are seeing Christians walking around looking as if they have no joy. So the question remains, why in the world would a Christian walk around the world as if he had no hope in life? Locked in an unlocked cage is the insanity of it. Living life with no peace and no joy. Well, if this this is the case, no wonder we have no joy. If we have no joy, do we know why we don't have joy? Is it stress? Is it worried? Worry? Is it impatience? Is it unbelief? Or we simply just don't want it. We don't want what he had promised. Have we become like the Ephesian church who has lost its first love? Have we become that? Have we lost sight of what it is that we are supposed to do here on earth? 
have we, again, lost sight of our purpose. Chief end of man, the reason why we are here is to glorify God. So the question you got to ask yourself is, yeah, things in life may not be going well, but are you glorifying God? If the answer is yes, then you are doing your duty. Whew. That's so relieving. It's so freeing to think that, you know, that my purpose is to glorify the Lord. And, and we are supposed to declare the wonders of salvation of the Lord. And yet, for many of us, we wallow in the sorrow like we are in the Babylonian exile. It's interesting, you know, as you, you look and you see the trends in modern, modern evangelicalism today, that the gospel has become kind of a, a neo a new form of the social gospel where the gospel now is not that Jesus died for our sins and we have salvation in Christ, but the gospel has become, has gone from good news to good advice. So the pulpits today, uh, books today, journals today, the communication that we see today is that Christianity is just a better way of living. It's not the way to have life which is the gospel, it's become a better way of living. So if you notice that, you'll see it. Just if, you, if you just think about it, just listen to what's coming out there. It's like, hey, we got some advice that we can get from the scripture as to how you can be a better father, how you can be a better person, how you can be a better employee, how, can you, how you can have more success in life, how you can invest in other people's life so that way you invest and say, it's all trying to have your best life now. That's no different than saying, Father, just give me my inheritance now. Think about that. Remember that scripture. Give me my inheritance now. That's what I want. I want my inheritance now. And listen to what we're hearing in modern evangelicalism today. And it's called the gospel of Jesus. You know, and, and they'll say, well, let me give you the good news, but they're actually going to give you good advice. This is what you do. This is how. And so what ends up happening is you get more uh, from pop psychology than you actually do from the very word of God. Have we lost confidence in the very word of God? Yeah, one, one pastor was actually honest with me. And he says, the problem with the word of God is it doesn't help the individual live life today. <laughs> and so finally, after this conversation, I'm like, what exactly do you think life is today? Right? It's like, it's like you know, you go to some of these things and it's like, they, they talk about our marriage, you know. Let me give you some advice as to how you can help, you know, your spouse become a better person. I remember sitting there listening to it, like this is what you do for the spouse. And even if it is changing yourself, the ultimate goal is to, change your spouse. So if, if God can give you some clues, and, and here I can give you some principles as to how I can, I can help you change your spouse, then life will be better, won't it? I just, after I said that, I looked at all the married people and I was like to see which one of you guys were gonna nod. 
I was looking at Al, like Al looked like he wanted to nod, but Linda was like. <laughs> she wasn't looking at Al. She wasn't looking at Al. <laughs> Al was looking at her. Um, anyway, no. Um, uh, so we look at that and we see, and it's just like, has this, is, this is what Christianity has become? Trying to get ideologies, uh, patterns, methodologies, all these ideas in order to order the world around us and fix all these things that's happening around us so we can have a better life. But that's not the message you get from Scripture, is it? The message we get from Scripture is not ordering the things around us, but changing the person who we are so that the things around us don't affect us anymore. No? When Peter stepped out of the boat, did the circumstances around him change? It's crazy when we think about it. Do we just not want what he's promised? Wallowing in sorrow today because we're not able to achieve what it is that we want because first of all, it's not what the Bible had promised, right? And one of the key scriptures I go with this all the time is you have not because you ask not. But when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong Motives. Right? What are we asking for? What are we asking for? So we lament, kind of like Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. But he said this lamenting the state that he was in. Because, Shane, because people will say, hey, well, Shane, you know what? I'm serving the Lord with everything I got. All right, there's this one guy, he's just, I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor, he was like, I'm serving the Lord, Shane, with everything I got, with all my heart, soul, and strength. And he had this scowl on his face. Are you, are you happy in the Lord? Absolutely, I'm happy. I am. I, I've got the joy of the Lord saying the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> it, it took a little bit of counseling with that one, but eventually I, we turned the frown upside down. But here's the reality. I'm serving the Lord with everything that I've got. But you know what? I'm doing it. But you're, are you happy about it? No, but you know what? I'm doing it, so can you just leave me alone? Well, if that's how we're going to be, then don't bother. Well, I, I, I have to show brotherly kindness to my brother? I don't want to show brotherly kindness to my brother. I don't like doing this. If that's the case, then don't bother. Wow, that's an interesting thing to say. Why would you say that? Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 47 to 48. Deuteronomy 28, verses 47 to 48. If you don't serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received, you will serve your enemies. 
whom the Lord will send against you. You will be left hungry, thirsty, naked, and lacking in everything. The Lord will put an iron yoke on your neck, oppressing you harshly until he has destroyed you. So Shane, is it important for us to serve the Lord with joy? Yes. <laughs> right? I mean, we, why would we expect any less? I mean, while we're on the topic of spouses, you know, it's like, you're, you're, you know, I don't know if it's a husband thing, wife or whatever, but at least for me, it was the husband thing. But it was just like, hey, babes, can you, can, you know, when you're watching the football, it's always when we're watching football or something, right? We're always watching football or we're trying to, we're in the middle of 24 or something, you know, we're watching the TV or whatever TV show you're watching. And then it's like, the wife is just like, you know, honey, will you do the dishes? Yeah, 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 I'll get the dishes for sure. Well, can you do it now? No, what, uh, can I do it after this? No, 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 I need you to do it now because people are coming over. Okay, fine. I'll just do it. And, and you have to, well, if you're going to be like that, then just go back and watch the TV. I'll do it. Yeah, you guys ever have that, you know, when, when you were young in, in the Lord? You know, Charlie's looking at me like, well, that was just yesterday, you know? That <laughs> happened yesterday. You know, and it's just like, can't you do it with a good attitude? And you know what? If you're going to do it with a bad attitude, just don't do it, right? Just don't do it. Just go back, sit there, you know, just don't even waste your time. And we think that that would be different when it comes to our Lord. Fine, God, I'll obey you. I'll give money today. I'll put it in the You know, just look, take this and take. You, would, what, you want my blood too? I'll, you know, the ushers come by and give me one of those things. They'll stick it in my arm. You know, I was going to go out to Country Buffet, but instead I'm going to have to go to the, the dollar Chinese noodle bowl place. I'm going to have an upset stomach and have diarrhea tomorrow, you know, all that stuff. But do you care? No. <laughs> Why bother? All that's going to do is get you in trouble anyway. No hope, no peace, no joy. Service to the Lord is deserving of Judgment. Serving the Lord with a bad attitude is reprehensible to the Lord. To serve the Lord with no joy is a clear display of the ingratitude of all that the Lord has done for us. That's why. Ingratitude. You know, something that's plaguing our society today. Ingratitude. We're not grateful anymore because if we're in situations and we put our, in, in ourselves in situations where we don't get gifts, we receive what we're entitled to. There are things in this, in this life, it's not a gift from, it's not a gift. You know, I remember when we had our, when we had our, uh, our stipend or uh, what, did, what did we call it? Uh, uh, you know, when the government gave us money. Stimulus, yeah, yeah, the stimulus thing. I was just like, wow, what a nice gift that we got from our government. And some people are just like, what are you talking about gift? I'm entitled to that. That's my money. I was like, man, that's why we can't be thankful for anything anymore. 
You know, it's like, hey, you know what? You go to a little kid and it's just like, here, look at, look at here, I got you an ice cream cone. And they're like, mom's like, say thank you. For what? It's like, all right. Kids aren't, they, kids feel like they're entitled to get gifts from strangers, I guess. I don't know. Ingratitude in our culture today. It's immoral for Christians to serve the Lord with no joy. So I would say, like peace, joy is pretty important in the life of a believer. Remembering the reason for the season is a great place to start to get back our joy. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nation says, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we just pray over your word today. Lord, I pray that it penetrates our hearts and it gives us uh, the true overflowing joy that we find in your gospel. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're gonna look at today is the amazing salvation of the Israelites and their unthinkable return to the land and the reaction of the people and nations. Second, we're gonna see the salvation that we see, we receive is even more than we have seen before. It's called the gospel. So our thesis statement is this. So remember our thesis is me trying to summarize the entire sermon in one sentence. Though sin and the pattern of this world cause the stress, worry, and despair that robs us of the wonderful joy in the Lord, it is the truth of the scriptures, the promises of God, the resurrected Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit that will cause us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. So, Point number one, joy remembered. The Lord has done amazing things for us. The Lord has done amazing things for us. Think I could get maybe a small little amen? amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just, just checking, just checking to see you're awake. The Lord has done amazing things for us. And he, and he went... It's just like, you can't number it. And I remember when somebody, you know, tested me on this. Hey, why don't you just sit down and try thinking and just count how many times the Lord has been good to you. You can't even, it's like you get tired, you get bored, and there's still a million other things that you can still say about what the Lord has done for us. He's done so much for us. And so I want us to see this. This is what's extraordinary about this psalm. Always remember this psalm when it comes to a time where you're, you're not feeling good, you're feeling down, feeling in despair. This is a great, wonderful uh, uh, psalm for us to remember. Because in verse one of this psalm, we find a statement that envisions the work of God and it communicates work that is too good to be true. That's in essence what we see. When you, when you get this, you go down, you, you look at it. I'm translating this and you're seeing this idea that what God has done for us is too good to be true. That's why some of the translations will say, this is what the Lord has done. The Lord has delivered us. And you know what? It was like a dream. 
You know, you know how we say that? Like, this is, the, this is the, my dream. You know, this is, this is my dream situation. This is my dream car. This is my dream spouse. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of something else. But this is my dream. And we say this because in essence, what we're saying is what's happening here is too good to be true. It has to be a dream. What the Lord has done for them is too good to be true. It's like a dream. And we know how our dreams can be, right? Our dreams, some of our dreams, it's like so vivid, so extraordinary. You guys have the, the flying dreams? And then you're mad when you wake up and it's like a dream. It's like those flying dreams where it's like you're doing all this stuff and you're flying, you're looking at, I don't know where we get these pictures in our head that we're looking at downtown Denver. Like it's actually happening. Hmm. You know? I don't know if you guys are flapping. I, I don't have the flapping. I don't fly by flapping. I fly because I can jump really high, but I can pause. <laughs> Look around. I can move, fly to the corner like Peter Pan, you know? And, and then you wake up and it's like, oh, man, I could dunk the basketball. Ah, <laughs> oh, I knew it was too good to be true. It's like that idea. What God did was too good to be true. The sensation that we felt was too good be, to be true. And that's what the psalmist is describing here to illustrate the deliverance. The work that the Lord did was too good to be true. The work that the Lord did brought a joy that was so much so, so abundant that they could not contain themselves. Spurgeon writes this, is this a dream? Because if it is a dream, let me sleep on and do not wake me yet. If what we're living right now, if it's a dream, don't wake me up. Can we say that? World, society, things that's happening in my life. Let me never awake. If I'm dreaming, I don't want to wake up. The work of the Lord brought so much joy, so much so, so abundant that they could not contain themselves. So not only did they go, man, this is so amazing, it can't be true, it's like a dream. The only response I can give is laugh. That was the only response they could do is laugh. This is so amazing. So I can't express, I can't do any word. All we can do is laugh. The mercy of the Lord was setting in them and setting them free. And it was so amazing. It was so wonderful that all they could do was laugh. And if you read here in the, in the psalm here, it wasn't just a little laughter. They were filled with laughter. And expressions of joy was not simple speech, but in expressions of wonderful singing laughing and singing to the Lord to express their joy. Now, I remember when, when the Nuggets won the, the NBA championship. Yeah. We waited years for this, right? Yeah. I remember it was all done. I just sat down. After it was all over, I just sat down. And all I could do was laugh. Wow. 
and, and this is the same kind of idea that they had here. Like after the celebration, so amazing, so wonderful, all they could do was laugh, singing to the Lord to express their joy. And what is more, the too-good-to-be-true work of the Lord that has got to be a dream because, wow, this is just so amazing. This has got to be a dream. It instilled and filled the people with laughter. It filled them with expressions that could only be expressed with joyous singing. All the stuff that happened was also seen by the surrounding nations. This joy was a joy that impacted the people of God so much, so much so, and in such a way that it began to spill into other nations. The other other nations were like, what are these guys so happy about? What's so awesome about this God that they serve? And they look and they inquired. And so these nations, they really had no vested interests. They were just spectators. They were simple onlookers. And they were blown away by what the Lord had done for his people. It was so amazing. Amazing the things that the Lord has done. So awesome, so dreamlike, so impossible, so improbable, that even people who had nothing to do with it stood in awe and rejoiced at what took place. Another way to look at this, I wanted to translate it this way, but I thought it might be a little bit, uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit too, I don't know, right there. (laughs) But another way of looking at this is, after what the Lord had done to the people of Israel, the other nations became fans of the Lord. Sign me up for whatever it is that's going on. Whatever the Lord is going to do, I want to be there. Oh, 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 wait a minute. Y'all got t-shirts? Can I get one of those too? I'm a fan. I'm I'm, I'm all about this. I want to get involved. I want to do this, you know? And, you know, when you're a fan, it's like, you know, my, my aunt used to always say, Shane, why do you always say we? When you talk about the Broncos, you always say we. You know, we, we didn't do it this way. Why do you talk like you're on the team? Wait, 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 wait. You mean I'm not? This is the idea. They, uh, they wanted to be a part of this, so much so that the outside world wanted to be a part of this. And how about the reaction of the people who were delivered? Oh, you better believe they would respond with joy. They rejoiced with the exclamation and called the work of God and punctuated it with the amazing exclamation, what joy. They were set free from captivity. They came back and what was taken from them was, dis- was restored. They experienced the grace and mercy of God in such a way that all they could do was rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Has the Lord done that? Do we recognize and see that that's what the Lord has done for us today? So much so, and in such a way that in reality, when the reality hits us and we recognize it, the only thing we can do is rejoice. God, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't, you know what? I can't talk. 
All I can do is sing. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. That's all I can say. That's all we can say. Spurgeon writes, none are so happy as those who are newly turned and returned from captivity. None can be more promptly and satisfactorily, uh, can satisfactorily give a reason for the gladness that is in them. The Lord himself has blessed us, blessed us greatly, blessed us individually, blessed us assuredly, and because of this, we sing unto his name. And what can God give? What did God give? He gave salvation. But here's the thing. Woe to us in the body of Christ today if we think salvation is not enough. Have we gotten to the place in modern evangelicalism today? Have we gotten to the place where we're ungrateful? Where instead of rejoicing... All we can do is complain. Salvation that God gives, it brings about the joy of the Lord in our hearts. That's, that's kind of the, the difficulty yeah, that we see today. It's the how much the Lord has done, so much that we've seen, so much grace and mercy that he had given opening up our hearts, opening up our minds, opening up all the stuff, all the things that we can list. And yet, instead of rejoicing, we can be filled with complaining. You know, I used to think that, like, how, how awful that is and how amazing that is. I mean, I still think that that's not a good thing, but the thing was, I, was, I used to always, like, I couldn't understand the complaining of the Israelites in the wilderness, I don't know if you guys were ever at that, like, you just saw the most amazing things that the Lord did in Egypt. What they saw, what they whispered, uh, what, they, what they saw, what they witnessed. Wouldn't you, see that, wouldn't you say that that was some extraordinary stuff that they saw? The 10 plagues? I mean, the Nile turning into blood, that would have been something. The, the frogs, you know, just the frogs. Just... Oh, it's a picture of that when I, when I just see it. It's just like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, frogs are just not the cleanest things, I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, if you're from Louisiana, it's probably like dinner last night, right? But <laughs> was that racist? It's a stereotype. Okay, it's true. Somebody said it's true. All right, and Luke said it's true. All right, Luke. One of our visitors approved, so it's there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it just, you saw the most amazing wonders, the, the things that happened. The, the, and, and then the, the end, as sad as it was, but it was the death of the firstborn, not just the, the people, but the animals. I mean, it was just extraordinary. And here we are, several months later, they're complaining. Well, I don't know what the deal is with this Lord of ours while they're looking up at the cloud. You know, I think he's abandoned us. And, and then, you know, look at the fire. 
Look, look at that. Like, yeah, the, the pillar of fire, they're looking at it by, you know, seeing this amazing thing. I, he, he, just, he just wants to kill us while they're looking at this extraordinary thing and saw everything. And they're complaining. And I, I never could understand that. And then he's always judged them. Like, you know, if, if that was me, it would be different. I would be rejoicing. I would be praying. I would be doing all of that stuff. And then we look at evangelicalism today and we do the same thing. But we're not looking at the 10 plagues. We're not looking at the pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day. We're not looking at the manna that's falling from heaven, the quail that's come. We're not looking at all of that stuff. Today, we're looking at the risen King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that is infinitely greater than what they witnessed and what they were complaining about. Where, where are we on this? I mean, we really think about it during this holiday season. Really think about where are we when it comes to this, the restoration and the people. God, so what, what God has done is so much more, so much more than they actually had. It's the deliverance that we are experiencing, not from Egypt, but from hell, death, and the grave. What, yeah, sure, they were, they were delivered from the oppression of Egypt, yeah, for sure. That, that's a given, yeah, that, that's huge. But we were delivered from something infinitely worse. And what we have is the baby born in a manger, the King of Kings, our Savior, who set us free. But, but, but Shane, come on, are you saying that we're actually in captivity? Yeah, for many of us, we were. John chapter 8, verse 34, John 8, 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Acts chapter 8, verse 23, Acts chapter 8, 23. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held Captive by sin. Captivity. We think we need deliverance from the things of this world, from things that we don't like, but from what we believe, from what we believe is oppressing us or bringing us down, from what the Jews believed was the Romans. We are captive to sin, and what an awful master it is. When we receive the law, we receive the burden. When we see the reality of the law, we see the reality of the burden. Then the Holy Spirit brings us to a place where we realize the wages of sin is death and we do just like Paul did. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver us? And salvation has come. Salvation has come to us with the baby in the manger, grace upon grace. This is what we have been given. This salvation is so amazing that our proper response is, this has got to be a dream. This is too amazing. It's too extraordinary. This has got to be a dream. Does that resonate with us today? I don't know. I keep thinking, like, what's more today, what's more emphatic than a dream? Is maybe hallucinating? It's so awesome that we're hallucinating. No, probably not. That just equates to drugs, maybe. Tripping? No, that's drugs, too. 
Galatians chapter five, verse one, Galatians 5, one, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Luke chapter four, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. This is why we've got to rejoice more for joy. We got this by the Father in his great grace and mercy. He sent us his son to come into this world to save sinners. God came of himself. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send a person to do this work. God was up there and said, you know what? If you want this work done right, you gotta do it yourself. And God came to to come into this world to save sinners. The Lord has come in a manger in Bethlehem. The Lord has come. Follow the star. It is not a salvation that came from the decree of Cyrus, but a gift of the one and only Son. This is so inexpressible that we can only sing this This is Christ the King whose shepherds guard and angels sing. So much joy that we sing, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. This is why we sing, Christ is the Lord. O praise his name forever. His power and his glory forevermore proclaim. But not, not only do the nations marvel at the salvation, <laughs> that not only do the nations marvel at the salvation of the Lord as we see as Christians all over the world, the angels are in absolute wonder over the salvation of the Lord. This is so amazing, so awesome, that God sent his son to die to bring salvation to his rebellious, fallen people. It's so awesome that those of us who are saved rejoice. But not only that, the servants of God who really, this, this wasn't the salvation for them. This is, they're onlookers looking at this. They're witnessing this and they're going, this is amazing. I am a fan. I'm a fan of this. This is absolutely extraordinary. The angels who go to and fro from the throne of God in heaven, they see it, they witness it, they lived it, they carried it out, and even so, all of this stuff that they've been doing and seeing and witnessing up in heaven, they are still astonished, they are still amazed with outstretched necks. They're looking and they're with all the wonder, with all the mystery, all the majesty, all the beauty of the salvation that God had brought with his son Jesus. So much so, so much more joy, not just the nations, but heaven declared the beauty of it all. 
Do you guys realize that we're experiencing all that Moses, Abraham, David, Isaiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, and on and on and on, all these guys could do is look forward to it. They didn't experience it. They could just look forward to it. And still, they rejoiced with all that they had, with all their heart. We have today all that they ever wanted. Today, will we allow the angels who are watching what the Lord has done and what he's doing to rejoice even more than we do? No way. Let that never be that the angels, the nations, and all these people who are not even a part of this whole thing rejoice more than me. The salvation directly affects us and the praise and excitement of the angels. Are we going to let them outdo us? May it never be. Family of God, let not the angels outdo us when it comes to rejoicing. Let's not let the angels outdo us when it comes to celebrating the salvation of the Lord. But the problem is, and this is the reality, why is this salvation not enough? Because family, we're still dealing with this thing called sin. It's our nature. It's why we go back to what it is that we have been set free from. It's why we go back to the vomit. Is it the distractions of the world that keeps us, keeps going, makes us go back? The temptations of the world that keeps making us go back to our unlocked cage? We've been set free. Our captors have no power over us. But it's like we keep going back to our unlocked cages and sit there like we're captive when we're not. And we sit in despair. May it never be. May it never be that we get to a time where we're sitting there and we're looking and, and, and complaining about the wonders that the Lord has done for us. Anytime, Christian, today, anytime we go into the place where we're in despair and in complaints, what we're doing is walking back into our unlocked cage and sitting in there and sulking in captivity <laughs> the whole time the cage is open. The insanity of it. But you today, we rejoice. The gospel is declared here. The power of the Holy Spirit for salvation is here today. We can be saved. We can be forgiven today. The mercies of God are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Where sin abounds, their grace abounds even more. There's no sin. There's nothing we can do that's so bad that it could ever outdo and cover the grace of God. The grace of God will win every single time. That's this is why we can rejoice. And he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord. Family, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Jesus came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is more and more and more that I could say that would bring us joy, give us more reason to rejoice in the Lord today. 
and more promises that bring joy upon joy. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yes, family, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners are now reconciled. Huge. So huge. All we can do is rejoice. What an amazing work of our Lord. Amazing work. Salvation is here. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. The nations all celebrate the coming of the King of Kings. Christian, let us all come to the King. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Let us rejoice. Again, I say, let us rejoice. There is so much joy in the world. The Lord has come. The Lord has brought salvation. Life more abundant. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.